Again, it's great to be together. Uh, you, you know, uh, I get to be welcomed uh, like you had today every day by my lovely wife, and uh, she did a great job, and thank you, Sari, for, for that. And, uh, you know, Matt and Brielle are going to be parents. Let's just say it that way. They're going to be parents. And, uh, you know, we were in a Bible study the other day, and I was saying to Matt and, and another young man, I said, it's so great for me to see you grow up. And now you're really going to grow up some more. But it's so amazing to, to, to see the community that, that we have. You know, as I said earlier, we wanted to do a fire drill to help prepare us in case something were to happen. And, you know, you know where to go. You know what to do. Uh, you know where your kids are. Uh, knowing your role, knowing your part in any type of event is what's most important. Because when you don't know what to do, that just leads to confusion. And people don't usually do much if they don't know what to do or they don't know where to go. You know, uh, in a moment, we're going to take communion together. And so there's not going to be a, a lesson like we typically have. It's going to be a sermonion. And uh, I wanted to tie this kind of in to what we've been talking about. You know, last week we began a series entitled Heart for God. And we talked about David, right? You guys remember that? Last week we discussed Developing a heart for God. And, and we looked at the scripture, Acts 13, verse 22, where God testifies concerning him. He says, I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. And when you think about God, the creator of the universe, the creator of everything, says about you, that guy's after my heart. He will do everything I want him to do. I can't think of a higher compliment than to have the creator say that about yourself. How would you feel knowing that God says he's after my heart. She's after my heart. She will do everything I want her to do. He'll do everything I want him to do. You know, when you stop and you think, think about that, you don't do everything someone wants you to do unless you've got... If you're going to do everything 
that God wants you to do. And so we're going to take time over the next six weeks talking about a heart for God. Because whether you're visiting or maybe you're studying the Bible or you've been a disciple for several decades, God is after our hearts. Because when he gets your heart, he gets you. And again, I'm not talking about coming to church. I'm not talking about going through the motions. I'm not talking about giving contribution. I'm talking about God getting your heart. Because that's what he's after. When you think about for a moment, you go back into time, go back into Genesis. It's unbelievable. God was there with the Holy Spirit and Jesus, and they're all huddled up. Like they're getting ready to call a play. And they said, we're going to make man. We're going to make him in our image. Nobody, nothing is like man because he's been made in the image of God. And God wanted this special relationship with this creation that he was getting ready to make. And when he does make it, it's beautiful because there's no rules. There's no Bible. There's no church. It's just a relationship. The creator and the created. And this God is so excited about his creation. He says, okay, I'm going to give you some fruit trees, some banana trees over there, some apricots, some plums. You got some vegetation here. I'm giving you everything you need. That's right. I'm hooking you up. And Adam's there, and he's doing his thing, and he's like, great. And then he gets the animals. Now, I don't know about you. I love National Geographic. I watch it. I'm fascinated. And the fact that we've been able to go to Africa a few times, you guys have seen the videos. Really, it's unbelievable. But God created all of that. And Adam's over there, okay, you're going to be the elephant, you're going to be hippo, you're going to be this. And he's, he's having fun. But then God's like, mm, there's something missing. He's a little lonely. I'm going to give him a mate. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to complete him. In fact, I'm going to take that rib and create a woman for him. And there will be bones in my bones, flesh in my flesh. And God met this need that Adam didn't really realize he had. But then there they are. In the garden, enjoying life. You know, brothers and sisters, guests, God is going to bring back 
that dwelling, that reality of being in connection with his creation again. It's going to be so personal. It's going to be so uh, just intimate that he's wiping tears from your eyes. He's walking in that city. I don't know what the music's going to be like, but I know it's going to be loud. I know there's going to be culture. And what's prepared, what we have to look forward to is being with him forever. God created man for a relationship. Not to be rule keepers. Not to be ritualistic and go through the rituals. Not to have the quiet time. Check. Did I read, reach out and serve the poor? Check. Okay, I feel good about me. He is after a relationship. And if you read your Bible from Genesis all the way through Gen uh, Revelation, that's who he is. A relational God. A father who desires intimacy with his creation. You know, when I think about intimacy, I think about being completely known. The good the bad, I don't have ugly, but you know what I mean. Off a little bit, no. But it's, it's being fully known. It's, it's, it's being, it, what you see is what you get. And then the other side of it, there's no rejection. There's no rejection. That's what God's after. That's what we should be after. And you think about the relationships that are like that in your life. Man, that, those are the best relationships. I can give you my wallet. I can give you my social security card. I can give you my bank account. Some of us are like, Yeah, you got to work on your relationships then, man. That's a God thing. That, 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 that's a spiritual. It, no. Okay. What, what's, what's the point here, Russ? When we understand who our God is, we can't do anything but give him everything we got. See, I'm afraid that we've gotten a little half-hearted. I'm afraid that fear has crept in and has caused us to, to, to be a little more protective and, and guarded. And, 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 and it's not, I mean, it's with people, but it's with him. 
It's with him. And so through these series that we have throughout these next six weeks to the end of October, that's what we're going to talk about. Just be wholehearted. Developing a heart for God. Allowing him to maybe break some stuff up that's hardened. To soften up some things that have, have just gotten stale, maybe, you know? And allow him to give us that heart of flesh, that, 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 that tender heart that hears his word. And it moves us to action. It drives us away from sin. And it leads us to being more loving to him and to, to, to those around us. Wholehearted. You know, David was known as a man after God's own heart. Because of David, we get Jesus. And Jesus, we see in him what it looks like to have a heart for God. Because of Jesus, he reached out to Paul, and Paul shows you and I what a heart for God looks like. And Paul was a smart dude. He actually wrote letters. And he talked about the early church and, and, and these early disciples and what they were like. And so because of that, we have the word of God and we can see examples of what a heart for God looks like. You know, as we gather today, as we gather each week, we worship God. We come and we encourage one another. But we take time to remember Jesus, right? And as I said, in a few minutes, we're going to take the Lord's Supper. But I want to give us an illustration from the word of wholehearted devotion to God. Turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 7. Are you with me? Luke chapter 7. This isn't in the notes. Don't worry about that. Luke 7. We're going to read this together. And then we're going to take communion together. Luke chapter 7. All right. We'll start in verse 36. When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. 
when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself. Notice he didn't say it out loud. Right? You know, you get in trouble sometimes when you talk to yourself. A lot of times it's not good when you talk to yourself. Because you're thinking not so nice things. So there's a good thing, and then there's, you know, but he's talking to himself. And here's what he said. If this man, it's like, ooh, okay, this man wore a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is. That she is a sinner. Jesus answered him, and that had to be a little uncomfortable because he knew what she was thinking. Guys, listen. God knows what we're thinking. Sometimes. Can't fool me. Simon, I have something to tell you, my friend. Tell me, Lord, I'm open. Two people owed money to a certain money lender. One owed him 500 denarii, the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he forgave the debts of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, now notice this, he turns toward the woman, but he's talking to Simon. Do you see this woman? Boy, and I tell you something, Jesus understood the value of women. Amen, sisters? Come on now. All right. All right, I'm getting some points over here. Jesus understood the value of them women. I want to be like Jesus. All right, no. He said, do you see? Do you see this woman? Because you know what? He could see her, but he didn't see her. He didn't see her. He said, I came to your house. You did not give me any water for my feet. But she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. I mean, that is love right there. You did not pour oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, 
who is this who even forgives sins? Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Wholehearted devotion to God. That's what it looks like. I am all in for God. She didn't hold back her money. She didn't hold back her time. She didn't care what people thought about what she looked like and her kissing his feet, wiping her his feet with her hair. She was not concerned with her appearance. She did not even get invited to the party and crashed the party because of her love for Jesus. You know, I know that we love Jesus in this church. I know that. But I think sometimes we have to remember why do I love Jesus? What has he done for me? And really get grateful for his love. Because like Simon, he didn't love much. Simon was like, who is this guy? And if he knew her and what she was all about and what about, and he was just so judgmental that he, he didn't serve the Lord. He was right there in his face. You know what he did? He compared himself to her. You know, comparison is such a killer. It is such a killer. He actually thought he was better than her. He thought he was superior to her because of her obvious sins. You know, guys, it's so important that we really stay in touch with our sin. Okay? You know why? That helps you to not think that you're literally better than somebody else. But not only does it do that, it keeps you going back to the source of what you're grateful for, for why you've been forgiven. See, our sin keeps us in check, or at least it should. Because we can get out of check. We can think we are all of that. Been around, did this, did that, heard that. Oh, yeah, I know where he's going to go. I know what he's going to say. And we're just floating right on into Pharisee land. Instead of staying right there at Jesus' feet. Weeping because we're so grateful. We're so thankful. You know, she wasn't even forgiven. If you notice, she was grateful because she knew who this guy was. And then after that experience, she's like, I'm all in. 
You see, she was grateful for the love and forgiveness God had for her. She was able to give that same love back to Jesus. She didn't feel the need to compare herself with others. She didn't feel the need to prove herself or even be ashamed of herself. You know why? Because she knew how much she had been forgiven. And that is what compelled her to love. Brothers and sisters and guests, if you are not motivated to read your Bible, why? What's going on? If you are living in sin and you haven't figured out that this is not working. I remember like it was yesterday. Sitting in my dorm room and saying, I am tired of my life. I am tired of the lies and trying to keep up this image. I'm tired of sending it up and feeling guilty. And go to church, feel good for a minute, and get right back out there and sending it up again. I'm not doing a plyometric in grace, out of grace like I did the other day. My knees are hurting. bigger issue is not understanding this plan that God has for our lives. You know, as the years have gone on, I've learned something as a 53-year-old man. Time is my most important commodity. I don't want to waste a minute I don't want to waste an hour. I want to use what God's given me for his glory, to help others, to love my wife like Christ loved the church, to love my family. I don't know how much time I got. This woman, she got it. And because she got it, she gave for me. Here's a scripture I want us to think about. We're going to get ready to take communion in a minute. This is in one of the epistles Paul writes, and he says after, you know, teaching a bunch of just why, why, why in the book of Ephesians, a lot of the epistles, he teaches us why, and then he gets practical in the latter part of the books. He says, serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord. You are serving the Lord. He says, not men. See, 
if you're serving the Lord, you're, you're not thinking this is about people. You don't say things like, well, if we get our act together, then I'll invite somebody to church. What? Well, I, yeah, I, I would give, but I don't I don't like what's happening with the, the money and, and, and I don't like this and I don't like that. Are you serving man? Or are you serving Jesus? It is so easy to tell where where you're at. Look at what you do. Look at why you do what you do. Paul says, serve wholeheartedly as if you're serving the Lord. Not man. But here's why. Because you know that the Lord will reward everyone for whatever good he Right, so are you saying that we should do what we do because we want reward? Nah, no, but rewards are nice. They're good. I'm so thankful that I heard the good news. I got to share it with my best friend. She heard the good news, and now we're sharing it together. And I see my dad, and I see my mom, and I see my friends. But think about it. God did something in our lives, and now we're here. And we've gotten grace. We've gotten the Holy Spirit. We've gotten forgiveness. We got love. We got peace. We got hope. We got faith. Not because we manufactured it. It's a gift from him. Now, I know some of us are holding out. We're buying those lottery tickets. Thinking. My retirement plan, right? No. I'm kidding. What? All right. I've done it twice. No. No, but seriously, wholehearted. Here, let's put the next slide up. I want to give us a little homework. I want you to do word study. Wholehearted or wholeheartedly or wholeheartedness. I want you to look at these scriptures when you go home. It's a little homework. And I want you to see what happens in these people's lives because of their wholehearted devotion to God. And then I want you to think about, hmm, am I wholehearted? Devoted to God. Because again, it's about him. This simple woman shows you and I what wholehearted devotion to God looks like. She was that way because he loved her. I know it is very easy to forget how loved we are. 
Sometimes we can hear something negative, and man, that's what we remember. Somebody said something to us. Somebody put us down. Somebody judged us or whatever. Man, I'm so sorry that happened to you. But I want to encourage you to remember what God says about you. I was with one of the single brothers the other day, and I said, what would happen? And we were in a Panera. I said, what would happen if your father came into the Panera and stopped everybody and said, excuse me? He said, son, come over here. And he goes, I just want everybody to know, this is my son whom I love. And I'm so pleased to be his dad. How would you feel if that happened to you? Well, see, in Christ, that's how God feels about us. I'm not only pleased with you, I love you literally to death. You know, I said to this brother, I said, you know, when you understand your value from God's perspective, when you understand how loved you are, it changes your life. Because there's no need to prove anything to anybody. There's no need to measure. There's no need to compare. I understand how you feel about me. And what I want to do is I want to simply please my father. As we uh, prepare to take the Lord's Supper, communion, the bread that represents the body, the juice that represents the blood, I want to encourage us to remember the sinful woman. She was wholeheartedly devoted to Jesus. Remember why? Because she got grace. She understood the forgiveness. And she understood her value to God. He, Jesus showed that to her. And he shows that to us. Again, if you're visiting and you're wondering about how this God, who's that God? Take some time to get to know God. I know we do our traditional Bible studies, and those are awesome. In all of that, who is God to you? How would you describe him and what he's done in your life? If you can't see it, you've got to get in your, into the word so you can understand who he is. Jesus was willing to give up his life. So that you and I can get to know the Father. Because guess what? One day, we're going to be with him for all eternity. One day, he's going to wipe those tears from our eyes. We're going to hear him sing. And we get to be with him in love for all eternity. Let's pray together. And we'll take this.
pray in Jesus. Father, thank you again for this time that we have together. Lord, help us to examine our hearts. Help us know, and I know we know, God, in, in some ways, where we need to, to, to be uh, wholehearted, where we need to repent, where we need to stop making excuses and to really be all in, in our relationship with you. God, I pray that you help us to continue, as um, the scripture says in Colossians, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men. Since we know that we will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ that we are serving. Father, thank you so much for giving us the opportunity to be in right relationship with you. I pray, God, you create in us a pure heart. Renew a steadfast spirit within us. God, because we can't do it on our own. You give us a spirit that sustains us, God. And as we take this bread that represents Jesus' body, as we take the juice that represents his blood, Father, help us to just be reminded of how valuable we are to you, that you would let and, and sacrifice your son. That was your idea to get to know who we are, or for us to get to know who you are. And so because of that, we love you, we thank you, we pray all of this in the Son Jesus' name. Amen.